Okay, now that's a very important point. We've not yet talked about leader meetings, have we? But in fact, it is very, very important. On page 39 is a job description of what a pastoral leader looks like in the cell group system. You can read that on your own. Let's look at page 40. I think that's one that needs more details. Now let's remember the globe picture. Here was the, was the celebration, the large group. And then we have the fishing pools here. And we have the cell groups down here. And the cell groups have the uh, structure with the cell group leaders being cared for by a cell group coach. And so there is a, a personal care and support that's going on. Now, in this type of, of church, what is the most important meeting in the church? According to a philosophy of cell group churches, what would be the most important meeting in the church? The meeting between coach and uh, cell group leader. Okay. Yeah, that's an important part of the support process. But actually, the Wichtig. thing that the most important meeting is the meeting of the cell group itself. That's why you draw the organizational chart upside down. Now, if that is true, then what is the second most important meeting in the church? Now your answer is correct. It is the meeting of the cell group leaders. And that support structure is down here. Now, the support structure for the cell group leaders is twofold. One is we've already talked about the relationship between the cell group coach and the cell group leader. And I suggested that twice a month connection is very important. But one thing that happens with, with, with cell group leaders is they sometimes feel a little bit isolated. And so therefore they, they want to be a part of something that is bigger than what they are involved in to gain vision. And so the meeting of the cell group leaders is called the leadership community or the leadership meeting. In English, the organizing principle of the, the meeting is VHS. For those of you that, that, that want to know what the English words represent, vision, huddle, like in American football where they gather in a little, little circle before each play, and skill training. And skill training is the third one. But we've actually found that normally that's not the order the meeting works best. VSH is the way it's better. So I would suggest on yours, you have the VIP, and I would suggest taking the practical skill training and put that number two, and let the, let the little group time be number three. Typically speaking, the absolute minimum you want this leaders meeting to happen, the absolute minimum, is one time a month. It is generally better if you can go more toward two times a month, but give some people some breaks. In our church, we used to make sure we meet 20 times per year, or thereabouts. Now, if, in fact, the most important meeting is the cell group meeting, and the second most important meeting is the meeting of the cell group leaders, then what meeting should you prepare the most for in trying to make it really good and really high quality? It is this leaders' meeting. And churches that are doing an effective job in cell groups spend at least as much time and energy preparing for the leaders' meetings as they do for any worship service. And so, what happens in these leader meetings? The first is vision casting. Remember I talked with you before 
about how leaders can lose vision in less than a month. That's why even a once-a-month leaders meeting may not quite be frequent enough to maintain people's vision. If a leader misses the meeting, it's two months between when they get a chance for renewed vision. And so that's why a little more frequent leader meeting might be, might be helpful. Vision is one of the things that, that helps people an awful lot. In a, in a two-hour leader meeting, in, in a, you might devote uh, 20 minutes or even a little bit longer to the vision casting component. One of those key areas to cast vision is to tell stories. Tell stories about people and leaders in your church that are, that are uh, in a small way exemplifying what's really important around here. You might interview people or dialogue with them to help share, this is, this is what's really important around here. You may decide to give some recognition, like the, the different kinds of awards that we used to do. But what you're doing in vision casting is you're saying, this is what's important around here, values, and this is where God wants us to go. And it's encouraging to hear the progress along the way. So we don't forget what it is we're about and where God has placed us here. One of the other things you want to do about this meeting is you want to make this the place where leaders can get the inside information on what's happening. Before you tell the general church, you talk about it in the leaders meeting. That way if they miss the leaders meeting, they're going to miss some of the inside information. And so that's a very important component. Other thing to realize is that this vision casting doesn't have to be just a one-way communication. It can be a two-way flow of communication. You can have people begin to pray and to give input regarding what do they sense God is calling the church to, to do and to become. Because if you involve people in the planning process, that will increase their commitment to the vision. And I find that, that one thing that often ministers to leaders is to have a time of worship in a leaders meeting. One problem that I find for leaders, at least I find it for myself, that we get so busy doing the work of God that we forget the worship of God. And there's something that's very refreshing when we are able to come into God's presence as leaders and be able to get connected with God and have him touch us. Okay, the second key in a, uh, a leaders meeting is the skill training. I want to jump to number two. Now, how do you know what to provide training for your leaders on? From the coaches, yeah. That's one way. What's another way? How about asking the leaders? See, if a cell group leader really understands what his or her job is, and you set before them the goal of seeing two new converts come into their group and to raise up one apprentice leader to start a new group, and they understand what needs to happen, the dynamic of cell life, if they understand all of that, then ask the question, how could we serve you best with training and resources to be able to accomplish that task. So ask the leaders and go through a prioritization process to figure out what's important for them. And of course, from the coaches, you'll have a good idea what's happening as well. So there, those are two sources of information. Now the training can be provided in a large group if it's applicable to everybody. Or it can happen in smaller groups if there's need to train on different kinds of issues. Don't forget in the skill training that, that one of the skills that's necessary is to help leaders cultivate a deeper relationship with God. Because sometimes what's in very important to realize is we need to help leaders to go deeper in their walk with God, which helps to prepare them better for the ministry that God has called them to do. It is most effective when you do skill training in little pieces. 
for instance, if you wanted to train in a particular micro skill, it would be, uh, let's say, let's pick one, um, say active listening. You can easily communicate what active listening is all about. There's two basic components. You rephrase the content and you try to reflect back a feeling connected to that content. That's the basic skill of active listening. You could give some examples of that process. Then you give them a chance to practice. How would you do that? Well, what you would do is have them get into little groups of threes, and they would practice the skills of active listening. One would be the person doing the active listening. The other one would be the one in the dialogue or conversation. And the third one would be an observer. And let them go for about ten minutes. And then give about three minutes for some feedback. First starting with positive feedback from the observer. Then have them switch roles and do it again. Then have them switch roles and do it again. What I just described will take about 45 minutes. And that's an example of a little skill. See, people learn best when, when they actually get a chance to do it. And they will learn more from a two-minute presentation on what active listening is about and 43 minutes of practice than they would with a 45-minute lecture on active listening. And especially with the skill of active listening, to talk for 45 minutes is to communicate exactly the reverse of what you want to teach. So that is the skill training. So isn't that what we just did? What we that? talked about listening for about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the problems that, that comes with, with training in seminars like this, it is a tension that I feel all the time because I have not been able to be free in the culture in the Western world to conduct these seminars in a way that maximizes your training because the best way would have been to reverse the percentage of time in, in lecture compared to small groups. If we did that, you would not get as much information, but you would probably have ten times the amount of learning. But you would not allow me to do that. You would rebel, and you would say, we came to hear you, and we want lots of notes. And I have discovered that, the, that we sometimes uh, have to make compromises so that we have the opportunity to continue to hear and continue to learn. So what I try to do when I do presentation is to get you to do as much group activity as I can get away with. And I know I would have succeeded if I get two sets of criticisms. One criticism says we shouldn't have spent so much time in small groups. The other criticism says I wish we would have spent more time in small groups to talk yeah. about our situation. And as a lecturer, if you're getting shot at from both sides, then you are probably closer to where God wants you to be. But keep in mind that adult learning happens much more through the self-discovery of the participants, not the communication of more information. It is one of the tensions that I live with well, all just, the time. Okay, that's the skill training. In the toolkit, by the way, there's a list of 50-plus different skills that small group leaders need. That list, by the way, was generated by asking a bunch of cell group leaders, what do you need? So you can generate your own sets of trainings. But keep in mind that training is best when it's in little, little bite-sized pieces, when people get to see it, and then they get to practice it. The final one looks like you have about 40 words to try and translate this one concept. It's the time of, of, of small group clustering for the leaders. What's the cell group for the cell group leader? Well, the, the way it works is you would have the cell group leaders 
meeting with their cell group coach. And you need to give at least 45 minutes to this segment, which, by the way, is why you reverse this little cluster and the skill training. If you do this, the vision followed by the skill training, and then you go into these little groups. The groups can go on as long as they need to, and you don't have to break into them to bring them back together. Now, what do you, what do, you do during these meetings? There's four things that you can do. One is, is encouragement. Celebrating the little victories along the way. We always need to celebrate the good things that God is doing. Another thing we do is the care for one another, the one another ministry. Another thing you do is do planning and problem solving. And the fourth thing you do is have extended times to pray with and for each other. There's some real good intense ministry times that can happen during this, this uh, little group. Now, I've observed that sometimes churches have a hard time with these little uh, cluster groups. There are three keys to make this thing really fly well. Number one is the cell group coaches need to, to do very careful advanced preparation, especially the preparation in prayer, and getting discernment from God as to what may God want to do in the midst of that group. So that, thinking it through, it does not work well if the cell group coach simply tries to figure out what they're going to do during that time as they're driving to the meeting. The second thing is to model good group dynamics inside of the group. So you seek to have good interactions happening and even utilize the gifts of the various cell group leaders and ministry to one another just like you do in a cell group. And when a new leader comes into the group, how well you provide care for that new leader coming in models how you care for new people when they come into a cell group. The third thing I would suggest to make this thing really happen well in this leadership meeting is to provide wonderful care outside of the meeting. It does not work well when all... The only times the coach sees the cell group leader is in the cell group leader's meeting. But if there's wonderful care and support being given by the coach outside of the meeting, then the leaders will come to the meeting and have a wonderful dynamic happening in the context of their little club. Which, by the way, is the critical function that I find that supports the leader meeting happening well is the quality of the coaching that's happening outside of the leader meeting.